Okay. All right. Praises be to our loving Father that we are again gathered together to study his words. Tonight we're going to do part two of our series concerning John chapter 10 and the verse is 9. If you still remember, this is based on the query or question that was raised and submitted to us um, by one of the friends of one of the members of the assembly of Yahushua. And if you still remember, there was a series of questions attached to that letter and we have translated from Filipino to English. I did my best to translate in English, but you are more than welcome to provide a different translation in case I did commit a mistake in the translation. But to the best of my ability, on the right is the English translation. There were several questions that we're going to be discussing and unpacking uh, for, the, for the sake of this series about John chapter 10, verse 9. First question is, what is your teaching or doctrine concerning salvation? We're not going to talk about that today yet. Um, do they also teach that the way to salvation was, was taught by the Lord Yahusha Christ? Does Mr. Dizon teach that a person must become a member or enter the flock, which is the Iglesia de Cristo? And lastly, are they teaching that they should join your fellowship? If one must join your fellowship to be saved, where in the Bible can we find the passages that say that the Lord Yahusha is teaching that people must join or become a member of your group uh, to be saved? So these are the questions we're going to be unpacking and answering so that we can discern from the Holy Scriptures what we need to do in order to gain the promise of salvation. So last week, we kind of focused on this question, does Mr. Dizon teach that a person must become a member or enter the flock, which is the Iglesia de Cristo? We answered that last week, and it is very evident that our belief is you don't need to enter the Iglesia de Cristo to be saved. Now, the one asking this question firmly believes that the flock referred to there in the Holy Bible, where a man must enter in to be saved, is the organization called today the Iglesia de Cristo, which was registered in the Philippines in 1914. And we can, in fact, look at and examine the teaching of the Iglesia de Cristo from the Pasugo magazine. We have the Pasugo.com, and you can go to just type in Pasugo.com, and there are very informative articles. The Iglesia de Cristo, by and large, it's a good organization. Uh, we're not lambasting the Iglesia de Cristo or Church of Christ as a, in a personal way, but there are some doctrines that we don't believe in and don't adhere to, one of which is the need to enter the Iglesia de Cristo to be saved, because according to Pasugo.com, entering or joining the church is needed uh, for, in order for one to be saved. So they preach exclusivity. So if you don't belong to the Iglesia de Cristo, the Church of Christ, which is the organization from the Philippines, if you're not a member, you're not listed in the registry, then you cannot be saved. This is their belief. They believe that for you to be saved, you must be inside, not outside of the Iglesia de Cristo. And they say they base that from Acts 20, 28, the flock or the church. And for one to become a member of the church, by, uh, according to them, one needs to become a part of the flock or church to be saved. And how must one or how can one do that? And they cite John 10, 7 and 9 says that you must come into the fold through me and you will be saved. This is what our King Yahushua says in John chapter 10 and the verse is 9. So they make the conclusion for one to be saved, you need to enter the flock. The only problem with this explanation, you can already see, there's a difference between the flock 
right? And the fold, when Yahushua said, enter into the fold and be safe, he's not referring to the flock. And so in our study last week, we talked about John chapter 10, verse 9, wherein our Lord Yahushua says, I am the door. If, an, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so if Yahushua is teaching people to enter a particular church to be saved, when he said, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, then it would mean they will have to enter and leave the flock because Yahushua says, after he says, anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He says, and will go in and out and find pasture. And so if our King Yahushua is teaching for people to enter a church or a flock to be saved, then it would mean they would have to also leave that flock or leave a particular church because it says those who go in and out will find pasture. And so that's not what our King Yahushua meant. To understand the meaning of that statement, we need to understand the parable or illustration our King Yahushua used about the one shepherd and the one flock. We talked about that in great length last week. To kind of summarize, he differentiates between a fold, which is the place where God's people are cared for, the physical enclosure that houses the sheep, and the flock, which represents the sheep themselves or the people of God. And so if one is a sheep of Yahushua, automatically they belong to the flock. This is why when our King Yahushua says, I am the door, anyone who enters by me, what does he mean by that? If you notice, there's a difference between the fold and the flock. Whenever the sheep, the sheep are being taken by the shepherd in order to go to the pasture and to feed, in that field, there are sheep pens, and the shepherd himself will act as the door so that the sheep can enter in and find safety, and they can go out and find pasture. And so when our King Yahushua says they will go in, they will go inside that sheep pen and find security because the shepherd will be guarding the doorway because he is the door. And... He's also the one to allow the sheep to come out so that they can pasture. And so they will come out and pasture under the leadership of the shepherd. So they'll go in and out to find pasture. He's referring to the illustration of a shepherd shepherding his sheep in the pasture. That's the illustration our King Yahusha is using there. So John chapter 10, 7 to 9 Yahushua is not teaching to enter a particular church to be saved. Instead, Yahushua is teaching that he is the door to find true security when you go in and provision when you go out, which represents salvation and eternal life. So when our King Yahushua says those who go in the sheep pen, they're secure. That represents salvation. When they go out, well, they can eat from the pasture that it represents provision, which of course is symbolic of eternal life. So they will go in and out, which means Yahushua is the door to salvation and everlasting life. You see, Yahushua, as the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, 
is not the door to the church, but the door to salvation and everlasting life. Those who follow Yahushua become the church. They don't enter the church. They become the church when they follow our King Yahushua. And this makes perfect sense. And it is aligned with what our King Yahushua said later on in John chapter 14, verse 6. Yahushua said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is why Yahushua says, I am the door. He's not the door to an institution. He's not the door to a church here on earth. No, he's the door to the Father. This is why we go through him as the door or the shepherd who leads us to the Father and to life everlasting. And so when we look at John chapter 9 and juxtapose that to John chapter 10 verse 16, there's a difference. There's the fold and there's also the flock, which brings up a question that's also raised. And this is question number three, uh, which was actually given last week. Uh, is Iglesia de Cristo 1914 included in the flock with regards to the first century assembly? So the question is, the Iglesia de Cristo, is that included in the flock? Well, to answer that question, we have to first understand, well, how can a person become a part of the flock? Right? What does one need to do to be certain that he or she belongs to the flock? Well, our king answers that question in John chapter 10, verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. So how does one become a part of the flock? By heeding whose voice? The voice of Yahushua, who is the shepherd. So if you want to become a part of the flock shepherded by Yahushua, you have to listen to his voice. In other words, we have to be able to discern the voice of our king, Yahushua. Why? Because there are other voices out there and they're all preaching and teaching all kinds of information and if we're not careful, we might not end up heeding the voice of our king, Yahushua. This is why if you want to become sheep of our King Yahushua, we have to learn to discern the voice of Yahushua. Because to become a, a part of the flock, to become a part of the church, the one that you must be following is not any human being here on earth, but the door, the great shepherd who is our King, Yahushua. Because you cannot belong to the flock of Yahushua if you're not heeding his voice. Because to heed the voice of Yahushua and to follow him means you are not part of his flock. So a person becomes part of the flock not by entering a church, but by heeding the voice of the shepherd of that flock. Because if we say you become a part of the flock by going to a particular church, then it what happens is we're making Yahushua dependent on that church. And that's not what Yahushua is teaching. He wants people to be dependent on him. And so when we learn to discern his voice and follow him and make him our shepherd, we become his flock. And so to answer the question, are there members of the INC who are parts of the flock? Yes, there are. And I believe there are many members of the INC who are parts of the flock. If they heed the voice of our King Yahushua, what does that mean? If they follow the teaching of Yahushua and they heed his voice, then of course they're part of 
the flock. Now, are there members of the IEC who are not parts of the flock? Yes, right? Because there are also many who do not heed the voice of Yahushua, and they only simply heed the voice of the religious teachers, even if it's against the teaching of our king, Yahushua. So there's a difference, right? And so it's not about the, the organization itself. And this is what Yahushua is not teaching in John chapter 10, that there's one exclusive organization or institution on earth that you must be a member of to become a flock of Yahushua. That's not what our King Yahushua is teaching. What our King Yahushua is teaching is we need to depend on him and follow his voice so that we can become a part of his flock because Yahushua will not follow the church here on earth. No, those who want to follow Yahushua, they become the church here on earth. There's a big difference in the understanding there. Now, are there people who are not members of the INC um, who, are, who are not part? Are there people who are not members of the INC who are not parts of the flock? We, are, we already answered that with a yes, right? Now, are there people who are not who are not members of the INC but are parts of the flock? I guess it's not written there, but the question is this. If you don't belong to the INC, does it mean it's still possible for you to become part of the flock? Yes. Yes. Because to belong to the flock of Yahusha is not about membership in an organization here on earth. It's about following the shepherd of the flock. If you follow the shepherd, Yahusha, then you become his sheep and you belong to his flock. And so a person becomes part of the flock, not by entering any church organization, but by heeding the voice of the shepherd of that flock. Why? Because the door is the shepherd. When Yahushua says, I am the door entered by me, he is saying, let me become your shepherd. And when he is our shepherd, he can lead us in and out of the sheep pen and find pasture. Now, there are those who oppose this understanding and they insist that one needs to enter the Iglesian Cristo to become saved. And so when it comes to that part where it says you go in and out and find pasture, they give a different explanation. What explanation do they give? Well, this is one of the responses we had, or I should say reactions, when we taught the lesson last week. Uh, somebody wrote, and the Tagalog is on the left side, which I translated to the best of my ability on the right side in English. Let's go ahead and read the English. Hopefully those who watch what you are teaching are able to see how devious you are. <laughs> um, I guess I'm devious. And how you deceive them. Okay, when reading John chapter 10 verse 9, the last part of the verse is purposely not read. Hmm, if it's purposely not read, I don't know. <laughs> I'm being accused of being deceptive, but when you purposely not read something, isn't that deceptive? <laughs> so they're admitting they're purposely not reading something because what needs to be emphasized in the lesson is the way by which one might be saved. Wait a minute. John chapter 10, 9, the last part has nothing to do with salvation. Hmm, you got to rethink that. Because what needs to be emphasized in the lesson is the way by which one might be saved according to the Lord. You and those in your group know 
that there is a separate lesson taught to us about the second part of John chapter 10 verse 9, which explains that going in refers to going into the grave and going out refers to being resurrected to find pasture or salvation. And then he goes on and says, you use the Bible deceptively, <laughs> right? I mean, how do you use the Bible deceptively? When you take a verse out of context, when you use one passage in this chapter, and then all of a sudden you jump to another passage that's not even connected or related, that's using the Bible deceptively. But is that what we did? I mean, what did we do when we presented John chapter 10, verse 9? Did we use it deceptively? No. Now let's go ahead and test what he has to say here about the meaning of going in and out. Remember, this has to work to be able to hold on to the teaching that Yahusha is instructing people to enter a particular organization to be saved. And so this is a necessity for them to add this belief that when Yahusha says they go in and out, it means to go into the grave and out of the grave by resurrection and find pasture. Let's, let's go ahead and test this teaching that to go in refers to going into the grave and to go out means to be resurrected. In John chapter 10, in the verses 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will find safety and will go in and out and find pasture. That's what's written in John chapter 10, verse 9. If you read the entire chapter of John chapter 10, verse 9, Yahusha does not mention people going into the grave and coming out through resurrection to find pasture. You can read the passage there. It's simply not there. And so if we were to say what Yahusha's teaching when he says you will go in and out and find pasture means that you are going to go to the grave and come out of the grave and find salvation, we're adding to what our King Yahusha says. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that if you belong to Yahusha, if you go into the grave, you come out of the grave via the resurrection. We believe that. We believe that if you go into the grave, you come out in the resurrection. However, John chapter 10, verse 9, the last part of John 10, 9, does not teach that. It does not teach that. What's the proof? Well, first of all, like I said, we're not against the teaching that if you belong to Christ, if you die and go into the grave, you're going to come out from the grave. We believe that. Why? Let's read the book of Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And so here we have three elements that is mentioned in the interpretation of the person who asks and desires to teach us that the meaning of going in and out is going to the grave and coming out in resurrection, right? We believe that. But that's not what John 10, 9 is saying. We believe in the resurrection because Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 tells us that. Look at what it says. Those who are in Christ. What does that mean? They are in Christ because they entered in him who is the door to salvation, right? If they are dead, if they died in Christ, they go into the grave. Will they come out of the grave? Yeah. Apostle Paul says they will rise first. So we believe 
But if you belong to Yahushua, if you entered in him as the door to salvation, you will receive resurrection. But there's a problem. You see, in order to rise, in order to be resurrected, you need to first go into the grave. And so if to go out means to receive the pastor, then there's a second part in 17. It says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So Apostle Paul says that everyone who belongs to Christ are going to go into the grave, right? Not everyone who is in Christ will need to come out of the grave, but will they still find pastor? Yeah, because verse 17 says, those who are still alive, they never go in the grave. Hence, they will not come out of the grave. Will they find pastor? Yes, because they will be with the Lord for how long? Forevermore. And so when we look at John chapter 10, verse 9, when Yahushua says, if anyone enters by me, he will find safety and will go in and out and find pasture. That contradicts what the other passages in Scripture says. Because here, if we're going to interpret, we'll go in and out and find pasture, then it would mean if you enter Christ, you're going to have to die. You're going to have to die and get resurrected to find pasture. But that's not in the passage. In fact, it contradicts what our King Yahushua teaches. This is why the best way to understand John chapter 10 verse 9 is to understand the metaphor or illustration that Yahushua uses about the shepherd and his sheep. This is why we need to know the context. Why, for example, did our King Yahushua use this illustration in the first place? Because when he used that illustration, which spans uh, chapter 1 all the way to 18 of, of chapter 10 of the book of John, this illustration, after Yahushua gives the explanation of his parable here, what was the response? In 19 to 21, therefore there was a division, again among the Jews, because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is man. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so, you notice the result of the teaching of our King Yahushua when he gave the parable or illustration about the shepherd and his sheep. Bible says, therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. What sayings? His teaching about the shepherd and the sheep. And what was the division about? There are those who listen to him, and there are those who do not listen to him. Who are those who listen to Yahushua as the shepherd? They say, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so we need to understand the context. Who is this blind person that they're talking about here? Because the media teaching of our king Yahushua, he sayings about the shepherd and the sheep is the result of how the Jews or the Pharisees responded when he did something. What did he do? 
For that, we have to go to John chapter 9. You see, John chapter 9 and 10 are connected. There should be no chapter break between 9 and 10 because they're all connected. There's no time break between John chapter 9 and chapter 10. It's all connected. And so we need to know what the issue was that caused King Yahushua to teach and to give the parable or illustration about the shepherd and the one shepherd and the one flock. So let's go to John chapter 9, verse 17. So the Pharisees asked the man once more, you say he cured you of your blindness. Well, what do you say about him? He is a prophet, the man answered. The Jewish authorities, however, were not willing to believe that he had been blind and could now see until they called his parents and asked them, is this your son? You say that he was born blind. How is it then that he can now see? His parents answered, we know that he is our son. And we know that he was born blind, but we don't know how it is that he is now able to see, nor do we know who cured him of his blindness. Ask him. He is old enough and he can answer for himself. You know what we read there is about an interrogation. <laughs> yeah, the Pharisees or the religious authorities were interrogating this man. You know something about institutions? <laughs> religious authorities, they like to interrogate people, right? And this is true even back then. And so the Pharisees were interrogating this man who was born blind and now he can see. Is that a miracle? Yeah. Is that something to be joyful about? Yeah. But instead of being joyful, what did they do? They were interrogating the poor guy, <laughs> right? They're interrogating him and they could not believe that he was blind. And so because they did not believe the person telling them, they said, we should ask the parents. And so who did they bring to the interrogation room? The parents of the blind man, the man who was born blind. And they grilled the parents. Was he really born blind? Was he really blind? And the parents said, well, we know he is our son. <laughs> That's what they know. We also know that he was born blind. Well, we have no idea. <laughs> Right, he can, he's, we also know that he can see now, but we have no idea how that came to be. Why don't you ask him yourself? Right? Ask him yourself. Do you know why the parents said that to the interrogators? Do you know why the parents, when they were being grilled, was he really born blind? Do you know why they said, ask him, he is old enough and he can answer himself. Do you know why the parents said that to the Pharisees? Let's keep reading, 22 to 23. His parents said, said this because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities who had already agreed that anyone who said he believed that Yahushua was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That is why his parents said he is old enough, ask him. And so the parents were kind of afraid. They did not want to be expelled from the Jewish synagogue. Can you imagine the horrors of that? I mean, where are you going to go hang out with your friends? We're going to go meet together for worship if you're expelled from the synagogue. And so this was a threat. They were afraid of the authority of the religious leaders called the Pharisees. And so when they were being interrogated, they said, just go ask him because they didn't want to be expelled. And so that's what they did. They went and asked for the person who was born blind. But from this passage and the passage and other passages in the book of John, we can already sense religious authority can often be a hindrance that prevents many people from truly knowing 
Yahusha, because they want to control what you believe. They want to control how you believe it. And they want to control how you, how you use the Bible. This is why they would even say things like, we're the only ones who are authorized to teach the Bible. You cannot learn the Bible on your own. And so when religious authorities speak like that, they're speaking like the Pharisees. And so they become a stumbling block and a hindrance that prevent people from learning the voice of Mashiach or Yahushua. And so the parents were being threatened of expulsion from the synagogue. And so they summoned the man who was born blind. And what did they say to him? John 9, 24, 25, a second time, they called back the man who had been born blind. So this is his second interrogation, right? Second interrogation said to him, promise before God that you will tell the truth. We know that this man who cured you is a sinner. I do not know if he is a sinner or not. The man replied, one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. And so when they were interrogating this man, they were trying to force him to believe a certain way. That's what people who have religious authority try to do. They want to force you to believe in a certain way. But when he was being forced to believe that this man who cured him is a sinner, he said, I don't know. What I know is this, I was blind and now I see. And so what happened after he said that? 26, 27, what did he do to you? They asked, how did he cure you of your blindness? I have already told you, he answered, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Maybe you too would like to be his disciples. And so you can already see the Pharisees, they were seeing, but did not believe. They were listening, but could not understand or hear, right? And so sometimes when a person becomes a religious authority, there's this tendency to be tunnel vision and unwilling to hear something that's different. And so the Pharisee, when, you, when they, the Pharisee, when they were being told, why don't you become his disciple? What did they say? Obviously, they did not take that well, 28 to 29. They insulted him and said, you are that fellow's disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses as for that fellow. However, we do not even know where he comes from. And so the religious uh, leaders, the religious authorities, the Pharisees, what did they do? They built themselves up and they attacked the character of the other person, right? They said, we come from Moses. In other words, they were speaking about their authority. They're saying, we are the ones authorized to understand who belongs to God. We're the ones appointed to be shepherds, to take care of the people of God. And so that's their belief. And that's your understanding. And when they looked at Yahusha, the Christ, they said, we don't even know where he comes from. And so they're building themselves up and at the same time putting down Yahusha, right? And so after saying this, what did the man answer? 30, 33, the man answered, what a strange thing that is. You do not know where he comes from, but he cured me of my blindness. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He does listen to people who respect him and do what he wants them to do. Since the beginning of the world, nobody has ever heard of anyone giving sight to a person born blind. Unless this man came from God, he would not be able to do a thing. And so this was the reasoning process of the man. And it's common sense, right? 
How can he do this if he did not come from God? And so this man who was born blind, he believes in Yahushua. He was ready to listen to what Yahushua had to say. In fact, he wanted the Pharisees to listen to what Yahushua had to say because he was cured by following the instructions of our king, Yahushua. And so what was the answer of the Pharisees? Let's read verse 34. They answered, you were born and brought up in sin, and you are trying to teach us? And they expelled him from the synagogue. And so what happened to this man who was born blind? Because he said, you should listen to Yahushua. What happened to him? He was expelled. He was basically saying to the man who was cured of his blindness, who are you? You're just a sinner. We are religious authorities. We are sent by God. And so they expelled him. Right? And this is what religious authorities usually did. And so when he was expelled, and our king Yahushua found out that he got expelled from the synagogue, guess what does he do? What does our king Yahushua do? Let's read 35 to 39. When Yahushua heard what had happened, he found the man and asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Tell me who he is, sir, so that I can believe in him. Yahushua said to him, You have already seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you now. I believe, Lord. The man said, and he knelt down before Yahushua. Yahushua said, I came to this world to judge so that the blind should see and those who see should become blind. Very interesting what our King Yahushua said there, right? So Yahushua, when he finds his, this man who was cured of his blindness, Yahushua asks him a question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And what was his answer? He said, tell me, tell me so I can believe. And then Yahushua says, you have already seen him. And then his response was, I believe, Lord. So this man believed in Yahusha, even though he was being pressured by the religious authorities not to believe in Yahusha, right? And so the one who was truly blind was who? The Pharisees. The Pharisees could not see the truth that Yahusha is the son of man. They could not see the truth that he is the, uh, the Mashiach or the Messiah. They could not see the truth that he is the son of God. And part of that is because they refused to actually see. And there are people who are like that, right? Even if they see something obvious, they refuse to believe it. They choose to ignore what they see. Because if they choose to believe what they see, it means they have to change so many things in their life. With the Pharisees, if they were to choose, for example, to believe that Yahushua is the Mashiach, do you know what that means? They're going to lose all their authority. They don't want to lose their power. Right? And the people who belong to that community, if they were to believe what they saw, that Yahushua did this miracle, that he is the Son of God, the Mashiach, the Son of Man, if they choose to believe that, they'd be expelled. <laughs> And so you can see why only a few were able to believe. Many of them chose blindness 
They chose to ignore what they saw. And so when Yahushua was saying this, the Pharisees were there listening. And what did they say? 1441. Some Pharisees who were there with him heard him say this and asked him, surely you don't mean that we are blind too? <laughs> Yahushua answered, if you were blind, then you would not be guilty. But since you claim that you can see, this means that you are still guilty. And so our, our King Yahushua accuses the Pharisees of being blind because they chose to ignore the obvious truth that the, Mas the Messiah that they were waiting for was already there. But they were standing right in front of them. They could see him face to face, yet they could not see him because of their stubbornness, because they chose to be blinded by the truth. And so Yahushua, when he was speaking to the Pharisees, he wanted to give them a teaching to convince them to believe that he is the Messiah. And so when you look at John 9, 40 to 41, in verse 41, Yahushua answered, if you were blind, then you would not be guilty. So he's speaking to the Pharisees. And when we go to the next verse, right? Or this is the verse 41, you, Yahushua speaking to the Pharisees. If you were blind, pronoun you is referring to the Pharisees. So he's speaking to the Pharisees. And he's accusing them they're blind because they cannot see the truth that he is the Messiah, right? So Yahushua wants to teach them another lesson to convince them to believe that he is the Messiah. What is that? Verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, who is that you? The same you that came from 9 in the previous verse that we read, right? 9, 40, 41. If you were blind, the Pharisees, so he's speaking to the Pharisees. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice so yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers and so our king Yahushua accusing the Pharisees of being blind he's now teaching a an illustration about the shepherd and the sheep why because the dynamic and the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep is known throughout that area because the shepherds of the east were very common during the time of our king Yahushua. There were pasture lands and sheep pens and folds. And so he gives them an illustration about the sheepfold. Back then, there were sheepfolds that were very large and they can accommodate many flocks. So there's a flock that belongs to the shepherd John, a flock that belongs to the shepherd Philip, and there's a flock that belongs to another shepherd, the true shepherd. And so what is our king Yahushua telling them? He's telling them, trying to convince them that he is the shepherd of the true sheep, right? And how do you know the, the, who the true shepherd is? Well, Yahushua says the sheep, they hear the voice of their shepherd. They know the voice of their 
shepherd, right? And so our King Yahushua is teaching them that he is the true shepherd and those who believe that he is the true Messiah, they will be able to hear and know his voice, just like the blind man. The blind man, he heard the voice of Yahushua and he believed. Why? Because his sheep who belong to the shepherd. At the same time, our King Yahushua says that there are those who are thieves. When a thief comes, the sheep will not follow him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And so we see here what Yahushua is trying to teach. He's telling them that if there are those who believe that Yahushua is the Mashiach, they will not be deterred by the false religious leaders of that day. They will not follow their voice because they know who the true voice is. That's the voice of the true shepherd. And so Yahushua setting now the parable by which he introduces himself as the shepherd of the flock that belongs to Yahuwah, which represents the people of God. So he's saying in this, in this particular uh, parable or illustration, he is a true shepherd. The other religious authorities, they're not true shepherds. In fact, he calls them what? A thief and a robber. Why? Because they take people away from Yahusha. They try to take him away. But the sheep who truly know his voice, they will not be let, they will not follow the false voices. They will not follow the false shepherds. They will follow Yahusha who is the true shepherd. So the man who was born blind, he didn't listen to the religious authorities. They were trying to convince this man who was born blind that he was a sinner, right? Don't listen to him. Listen to us. <laughs> he listen to us. But Yahushua says, no, the true sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd is Yahushua. And so after he gave that first part of the illustration, what happened? John 10, 6. Yahushua used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke then Yahushua did not understand that he was telling the Pharisees, you're the thief. You're false shepherds. I'm the true shepherd. So let go of these people and let them follow me, who is the true shepherd. But they did not understand that Yahushua was speaking about them, right? And so he, that's why he used an illustration. In other translations, because if you look at the Greek meaning of illustration, it means veiled text. In other translations, it means parable. Yahushua told them this parable, but they did not understand what he meant. You, you notice Yahushua often uses parables. Have you ever asked yourself why our King Yahushua uses parables? Because he's using a parable now to teach the Pharisees that they should follow him as the true shepherd, right? But he used a parable. Why? Why does our King Yahushua use parables? Well, let's go ahead and look at Matthew 13, 10 to 13. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables? Why do you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, 
Even what little understanding they will have will be taken away from them. And that's why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Do you know why our King Yahusha uses parables? What are parables? When Yahusha uses a parable, he gives you just enough to make you want more if you truly want to listen and believe, right? So when a King Yahushua uses a parable and you are very interested and willing to believe, what are you going to do? You're going to search for more. You will want to learn more. You will keep following him and listen more and more. This is why Yahushua says to those who listen to my teaching the parable, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But those who are not really interested, those who simply want religious authorities to tell them what to do, what to believe, when a parable is given, they're not interested. And so they will not investigate, they will not seek more, they will not follow Yahusha and learn more. And if that's the case, you look at what Yahusha says. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is why I can use his parables to create a thirst and hunger in them to want more if they're the true sheep. But if they're not the true sheep, they're not going to be willing to put the effort to know more. And so what little understanding they have, they'll be taken away from them. And so those who are in that category, our King Yahushua says, they will look, but they don't really see. They will hear, but they will not really listen and understand. Unfortunately, many people are like that, right? They want to be told what to do, what to believe, right? They want a religious sexual to tell them what to believe instead of really trying to know more about our King Yahushua. This is why the one who asked the question, you notice there's a separate lesson taught to us about the second part of John 10, 9. And so we're supposed to rely on religious authorities instead of Yahusha himself for us to understand what Yahusha is telling us. And this is what people like. They like to be told what to believe because it's easy, right? It's easy. You don't have to think. Well, guess what? What does Yahushua want us to do? He wants us to think. Why? So that we can learn more and more from Him. And if we're not willing to think anymore, if we want to stop our thinking, then all of a sudden, what little learning we have goes no more. And so what our King Yahushua is doing is teaching parables. And in this case, when He's teaching the Pharisees the parable about the shepherd and the sheep, what does He want to communicate? Seven to eight. Then Yahushua said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So Yahushua is saying, there's a big difference between him, who is the door of the sheep. What does it mean to be the door of the sheep? The shepherd of the sheep. When Yahushua says, I'm the door of the sheep, he's saying, I'm the shepherd of the sheep. And when he says thieves and robbers, what is he saying? False shepherds. So this illustration is about religious leaders. The true religious leader, the true leader is who? 
Yahusha. And there are false leaders, false shepherds, and Yahusha is telling them, I am the door. I am the shepherd. We need to go to him. Because the Pharisees, all of them who went before him, these are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the other leaders, they're thieves and robbers. And the sheep do not hear them. After saying that, what else does he say? Nine down to 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so again, our King Yahusha is convincing them through this parable that they should follow him as a true shepherd, because if we follow Yahusha as a true shepherd, as the door to the sheepfold, what will happen? They will have life and have it more abundantly. But if they choose to remain following the other shepherds, the Pharisees, where are they going to find? Well, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there are many religious authorities who simply exploit the sheep, unfortunately. And our King Yahushua is saying, no, I'm different. And so you know what Yahushua is doing here? He's giving the invitation. This is the great invitation. Why is it called the great invitation? Because it's for everyone and anyone. He's saying, if anyone, including you, Pharisees, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so our King Yahushua is telling the people, that he is the door to the sheep. If anyone enters by me, they will find life and find it more abundantly. They will go in and out and find pasture. What is he inviting people to do? What our King Yahushua is inviting people to do is to make him our shepherd. That's the whole point of the parable about the, par about the sheep and the shepherd. It's not about the sheep. It's not about the flock. It's about who? The shepherd. Yahushua is telling the people that we need to go to him and follow him, listen to his voice, and make him our shepherd. That's what he wants. Because if Yahushua is our shepherd, guess what? We will find life and have it in great abundance. Don't follow the other religious leaders. Follow the leader who is Yahushua. Why should we follow Yahushua? Then he goes on to expand his illustration. So he's identified the difference between the shepherd and the thief, right? Between the door and the robbers. He's identified the difference. Now, what does he do? 11 to 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he is not the shepherd. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So according to our King Yahushua, why should we follow him as the good shepherd? Because he cares about the sheep. Why does he care about the sheep? Because the sheep really belong to him. You see, the people of God do not belong to some religious leader here on earth. The people of God belong to the appointed shepherd. Who is that? Yahusha. And so our King Yahusha says, make me your shepherd because I care about you. Why? Because you belong to me. And because he cares about the sheep, what does he do? What is he willing to do? He says the good shepherd gives his life for 
the sheep. In fact, whose command is that? Verse 15, 17, 18, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I receive from my Father. And so it's the Father's will for we to follow Yahusha as the shepherd. Why? Because he follows the command of the Father, including what command? To give his life for the sake of the sheep. Isn't this what our King Yahusha did? Brothers and sisters, our King Yahusha not only died, he suffered on the cross for our sake. This is why we need to make him our shepherd. We need to make him our shepherd. This is the whole point of the illustration. This is what he was teaching the Pharisees. Come to me. Let me be your shepherd. And I will take you to have abundant life. But what was the response? Let's continue reading 1921. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now we understand why Yahusha gave the illustration. It was to show them the difference between the good shepherd and the other shepherds. And Yahusha is trying to convince them to listen to him, to heed him as the true shepherd. Unfortunately, after giving this parable, what was the response of many? Bible says many of them said he has a demon and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? Unfortunately, the tendency of many people today is they don't heed the voice of our King Yahusha. They don't, right? Why is that? Because a lot of people oftentimes they place more faith in the religious leaders than what Yahusha actually says. A lot of people place their faith in their religious institutions than in Yahusha and the scriptures. And they even place their faith in the church registry instead of the Messiah. I'm afraid my name will be removed from this registry here on earth. That registry doesn't mean anything. <laughs> what matters is faith in whom? Mashiach, Yahusha. And because of this, they're unwilling to investigate the scriptures. This is why, brothers and sisters, the message of our King Yahusha, make him our shepherd. If we do this, what will become of us? In John 10, 16, another sheep I have which are not of this fold. Then also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Questions been asked, how can we belong to the flock of our King Yahushua? It's not by becoming a member of some institution or church group or some religion. That's not how you become a part of the flock of our King Yahushua. How do you become a part of the flock of, the King, of our King Yahushua? By hearing and following the voice of the shepherd of that flock. Who is that? Our King Yahushua. Bible says, if we hear his voice, if we hear his voice and follow him, then we will be, you see that? 
we will be one flock. You don't really enter the flock. You follow the shepherd and then you become the flock. There will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why it's so important to answer the question, who is that one shepherd? Because if you want to belong to the flock of Yahusha, then the shepherd you should be following is who? Yahusha. Again, we ask you, who do you believe is the one shepherd of the one flock mentioned here by our King Yahusha? We believe that is Yahusha. If you believe that one shepherd is someone else, then you belong to his flock. To belong to the flock of Yahusha, you must believe that the one shepherd is who? Our king, Yahusha. Well, how can I know, brother, that I truly belong to Yahusha's flock? How can I know? Well, in John 10, verse 14, the final passage of our studies today, Yahusha says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. This is why we don't believe there's like a registry here on earth that kind of tell us who belongs to Yahusha as sheep of Yahusha. No, we don't have the right to know that. We don't know that. Who is the only one who knows his sheep? Who's the only one? Yahusha. Yahusha says, I know my sheep. How can we know if we are known by Yahusha? Yahusha says, and am known by my own. In other words, how is our relationship regarding Yahusha? Are we developing an understanding of who he is? Are we growing in our knowledge of him? Are we becoming more and more abundant in our knowledge about Yahusha? Because Yahusha says, this is why the, he teaches in parables to kind of discern the difference between those who are true sheep and those who are really not. Because the true sheep, they seek Yahusha. They want to know more about Yahusha because they want to discern his voice. This is why in our next lesson, the next part of the series, we're not yet done with the series. There's four parts to it. In the third part, we're going to know how to heed the voice of Yahusha. What does it mean to heed the voice of Yahusha? Because if you cannot discern the difference between the voice of Yahusha and the voice of someone else, then we might end up following a different shepherd. And so that's crucial. This is why we need to know. We need to know the voice of Yahusha. This is why when Yahusha says, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep and am known by my own. There's reciprocity there, right? There's relationship there. Yahusha knows you, well, do you know Yahusha? We need to know Yahusha more and more and more so that we can know the difference between his voice and somebody else's voice. This is why in John chapter 10, verses one to five, Yahushua says, my sheep, they will know my voice and they will follow me. If a stranger comes, they will ignore that voice because they know my voice. And so brethren, we need to know the voice and discern the voice of our King, King Yahushua so that we can always follow him as our good shepherd okay that's our lesson for tonight let us all stand and we shall pray everlasting father merciful 
and loving Abba, yes. Yahuwah Almighty Elohim. Yes. Thank you so much for blessing your people with the truth that we need to understand so that we can belong to your flock. Father, please bless everyone listening to your holy commandments, to your holy words. You have given us your son. We believe in him and have faith in him. We believe that your work is for people to believe in him. He is the one whom you sent for the salvation of mankind. Mm -hmm. Father, help us to be focused on him, that we might become his followers. He might become the door by which we enter in. Mm -hmm. Our King, Yahushua, thank you so much. Thank you, for we know your voice. We know your voice is manifested in the Gospels, manifested in the Scriptures. Your voice is expressed throughout Help us to discern that voice, to understand your voice, and to remain following you until the end. Please bless us as we continue to study your teachings, to study your ways, that we will always be obedient followers, your sheep who belong to you. Father, thank you so much for blessing our Bible study tonight. Continue to bless those who listen and hear your commandments. May we all share in your many promises. Amen. We ask and beg everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.